Lord of things, we should rejoice and be glad in it. How many of you woke up this morning and saw the fog out there? When I got up and saw that fog, I had to praise God. Then I had to reach out and try to grab some, but guess what? I missed it. <laughs> I love a good pun. <laughs> Welcome this morning. And let me just say, I hope each and every one of you had a very Merry Christmas. And I hope and pray you got what you asked before, but most of all, I hope you remember the Jesus for the season. God said His only begotten Son, and that's what Christmas is all about. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, there was a guy walking around Rock Saturday, and he was telling everybody, because I got cold, I got cold yesterday. And look, there's somebody else who got cold for Christmas, because we could get together and have a barbecue. <laughs> God is good, isn't He? And you know what? I want you to learn how to look at the bright side in all situations. You know, God is good. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, He's worshiped the good in all things to those that believe in Him. And so He even looks for those things. We have a lot of folks out traveling. We even remember them in prayer this morning. We have a few folks out sick and remember them as well. But we're a little empty this morning because we have so many out traveling. And it's expected at this time of year. But I'm telling you, I am glad you're here this morning. God has a message for you, and I am so happy that you're here with us and have chosen to worship with you this morning. If you're joining in with us this morning online, we want to welcome you, ask God to bless you. If you're sitting down and joining us this morning in the sanctuary, visiting with us, we also want to welcome you and ask you to fill out the little video card you'll find in front of you. Place and all the are coming out, so you can have the rest of your visit. We would greatly appreciate that as well. In the meantime, church, let me tell you a little bit about the forum at Mountain Avenue, our upcoming event. Uh, as you know, tonight at uh, 6 o'clock, we will have an evening worship. We're also having, uh, we have a contact, contact today at 430 in the choir room. In the choir room, 435 practice. So come and be a part of that. We'll be practicing next week's cycle. And so uh, I want to encourage you to come and be a part of that. If you want to, to be uh, in those specials and have input to what's saying, let me tell you, come and be a part of that practice. Uh, some great things are about to happen at 2022 at Rockland Avenue. And we have a involved in the ministry directly right there through our choir ministry at Robert Avenue. So let me encourage you to show up today at 434 that. Alright, there's the night Bible study at 630 and the Jews are having a youth locker at Robert Avenue on Friday. Uh, so they're going to be locking themselves in or should I say locking themselves up? Friday at 6, what time they going to start? At 8 o'clock. So they're going to watch the New Year come in. Really get rid of your youth, your teenagers, uh, so you can have a good New Year's Eve. Go ahead and send them to Brandon. He's going to take care of them for you. From 8 to what time in the morning, buddy? You don't even have to feed them breakfast, do you? Amen. So, the real question is, where are they going to sleep at? But I don't think they're going to sleep, do you? They're going to come home and go to bed is what's going to happen. So, uh, pray for Brandon. And pray for those kids. And thank God our youth group is up and moving and doing things. So, blessed be the name of the Lord in that. I also want to bring you a picture of what's coming up on January 29th. That's a neat time. It's going to be a church city kick off. And you are invited to and be a part of that as well. So come and be a part of that. I think there's a small institute. It really is. It's a fundraiser to help our youth uh, pay for their way to go to youth district camp. So you're uh, encouraged to 
death of Brenda Ruth Kelly. She got one of those dream-driven family recipes, and you want to find out how good it is. Brenda Ruth Kelly had these kinds of world's greatest city jokes. He said, hey, the ninth commandment, Pastor, thou shalt not lie. Well, the truth is, I'm actually planning on competing, so I have one of those positive recipes that are, in my opinion, of me living, and I want to see how good it really is. Uh, I want to be a part of that. It's going to happen on January 29th. It's a Saturday. I think it's going to be around 2 o'clock. Is that right? Well, We'll start making our way back to our seats. 
we'll go ahead and continue in the service.
goodness. How do you top that, huh? Well, you've had that wonderful and beautiful Christmas, and it's my prayer that God will speak to you today. Have your Bibles with you. Open your feet to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter two. Gospel of Matthew, chapter two. That's what we're going to begin at. We're certainly not going to stay there, but uh, we're going to start there. Matthew chapter two. Now, I forget the time. It's almost the year twenty twenty-two, and not everybody has a hard print Bible. Some of us have an electric Bible nowadays out there. So you can go ahead and turn on your Bibles to Matthew 22 as well. Now this morning's message is, what after Christmas? In fact, I get that question all the time. After what? After Christmas. What do we do? Seems like the whole year is built up Christmas. Now, you know when you're a kid, that's all you think about is Christmas. Amen? Well, you can tell a lot of people on vacation or out traveling or coming home. Uh, but when you're a kid, your entire year revolves around Christmas. Some of you are embarrassed to say so, but when I was growing up, that's all that mattered was Christmas. Got to be around September, October, that's all you thought about this Christmas time. Not only did you think about, well, you know, maybe the religious implications, but most of all, you thought about Christmas presents, didn't you? You thought about how to open those gifts, and you thought about what might be in there. And some of you even did some snooping around the house and found out what was under it. And then you opened it up on Christmas Day, and the surprise was gone, and it wasn't quite as good. And you learned a lesson about uh, snooping, didn't you? You ruined the surprise, well, you ruined it, didn't you? What? After Christmas? And that's usually the question you get. What was that? Can we just wait for another Christmas? In fact, we get that question that says, what are we supposed to do now? You know, the Christmas bill just starts to come. It seems like that Christmas euphoria starts waning, starts ending down. Builds up for just two holidays throughout the year. We honestly, we build up for Resurrection Day. Some of us call Easter. We build up for Resurrection Day, and we build up for Christmas. That's our two biggest holidays. We have several holidays we need to look at, and we need to pay attention to. And in my opinion, we need to observe Passover being one of them, and most of you have Tabernacles, and of course, my personal favorite one, Hanukkah. Amen. I love Hanukkah. Hanukkah is an amazing time. I'm not here to talk about that this morning. I'm here to talk about what do we do after Christmas? What are we supposed to do now? Those bills are starting to roll in, and perhaps you're one of those that are sitting there dreading that first credit card bill to come in January. Maybe you went out shopping and got some of those buy now, pay later, or you don't get any bills till 2022, and it sounded good, and then you started realizing 2022 is just a week and a half away. Some of you might be saying, well, praise God, the relatives are finally leaving. Christmas is all ours. Notice about half our church is out traveling this morning. And so some of us are going to see family, but they have that one week left off of work, and some are coming back in, and some are at home this morning saying goodbye to family that traveled over to Christmas. You know, merchants are already getting ready for the next holiday. I kid you not, Betsy and I were in the Dollar Tree in Saloon. Yesterday, I know. Thank you for your prayers. What yesterday was actually Christmas Eve. Uh, so on Friday, and thank you for your prayers for safety. You didn't make it home safely. But yes, I did bring a marine with me too. Yes, I did not buy him at the Dollar Tree though. But we were there. We were there, and it, it was tickled, it tickled me to death because they had taken down their Christmas decorations and were already putting out 
Valentine's Day decorations. I mean, there was hearts and ribbons and, and little lips all over the place for Valentine's Day. Roses, I'm thinking, I haven't even eaten my Christmas candy yet. At the way you're going and how much candy I'm getting, I won't have to buy any Valentine's candy. Praise God. So, but those merchants are already getting ready. And you know, like, like them, we, we, we treated ourselves in a fashion the world anniversary. And we start asking ourselves, what after Christmas? What's coming up next? That's the answer to that question. What are you supposed to do with that Christmas? So let's look at the scriptures this morning. See if we can learn anything about that. Turn with you to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read a lot of verses this morning. We're going to build a little bit out. My prayer that Father God will reach out to you, speak to you, and use you this morning. Let's read part of verse 7. The Bible says, Then Herod, when he was secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. When you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them. They came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to them gold, precious, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed to their own country another way. Verse 13, the Bible says, Now when they had departed, behold, Angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and Jesus, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word that Herod will seek the young child to destroy them. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. So Herod, when he saw that he was mocked and deceived by the wise men, he was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem, and in all the districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel, or Rachel, weeping for her children, receiving these comforts, because they are no more. Verse 19, but when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in the dreams of those in Egypt. Saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. When he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. Finish up again, verse 22. When he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in the dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, it shall be called a man of the world. And I want to give you a clear description of the wise men. I think that's the only picture I put in today's message. There they are, all three of them. And I just got to point out this guy here, the first guy. He's got the coolest beard I've ever seen. I have got to get one of those. Is that possible to know that nowadays? But anyways, uh, I just wanted to do that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to that Jesus name. Thank you, Lord God, for your word. And it's my prayer, Father God, in your holy and righteous name, that you just got to touch the faith. Take us up, Lord God. 
going to say, but anybody who needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, anybody who needs to get their heart right to you, anybody, Father God, who needs to be a part of our family, you can say, do that day. So for Jesus' sake, mighty name, I pray. Amen. Love those wise men. Those wise men are wonderful people. In fact, we call them wise men for a reason. And they answer the questions for us. What are we supposed to do after Christmas? Or better yet, what are we supposed to be doing right now? And that's the question we always ask. Do we just keep on going to church? Do we just keep on living our humdrum, routine lives? And the answer is absolutely, positively no. We've got a job to do. We've got a mission to be on. We've got a purpose. We've got a reason. We've got a risen Savior. And it's time for Robinson Avenue to get out of this house and get out to those that are lost in the of the Lord. What are we supposed to do now? The Magi church came and they saw Jesus. They worshipped Jesus and they gave their gifts. And guess what? They left. They left. Now, don't take that and say, Brother Josh, you're telling me to leave while we're never there. No, I'm not. But I want you to understand that they didn't spend all their time with gifts. They moved on to other things. Sometimes we have other things to do in our lives as well. Pastor, you kind of feel like that this morning. You say, Pastor, I'm a Christian. Jesus is in my heart. He's Lord of my life. I'm giving my gifts. I like my time spent. I'm worshiping. But what's next? What do I do now? Kind of like Christmas. Maybe Jesus born in my heart. He's grown. The wise men have come. They worship Him. I worship Him. I give my gifts. I give my life to Him. I praise Him. But there's got to be something more. And you're absolutely positive. It's eternal. What's happening next? See, I believe that we can affect human circumstances to rise in
bringing some kind of judgment on me. And you know what it feels like today? We can't do anybody's system. When you go to work and you look at those young people today, and we're not preaching against young people, we're putting them down. But you know, you can't even speak to them without those little white air pods in it. And you can't even that constant background noise, that constant music playing, that constant phone in their hand, that phone, you go sit down at the dinner table and you have to tell my children, get rid of that phone! Put it away! Or it's going to be with me for the next 28 days. Go like this. That's enough to make me get in the parking lot with a sign saying, I'm protest. 
Next thing you know, it's going to be three city trees instead of a dollar tree. I'll tell you what, man. I've coined the phrase, three city trees. They showed up. Where is he, the born king of the Jews? They brought their gifts. Lord of lords, they were looking for. The king of kings, they were looking for. They brought gold. They brought frankincense. They brought myrrh. How did they know to do that? Because they studied God's word. Because they meditated on God's word. Because they listened to God's word. You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, and if you want to know what next after Christmas, you need to take 2 Timothy 2, 15 and put it on your refrigerator door. You need to get a chisel and a hammer and start putting it on that rock you call a hand. 2 Timothy 2.15, the Bible says, Be ye diligent to present yourself, approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Might be dividing the word of truth. You have an old King James, it says, Study to show yourself approved to God. Study! The wise men were studying God's word. That's how they knew when that star appeared who it was for, why it was there, and how to get to where they were going. Incidentally, they got lost when they started asking the people to do it. They should have suffered asking God for what did. They got lost there. They have to say, what's after Christmas? Learn from the wise men and get you something started. If you're looking for that wonderful New Year's resolution, you need to start resolving right now to be in God's Word every day, every afternoon, every evening, and see what happens in the year 2022. You know what? If you're like me, you resolve to lose weight every year. You say, I'm going to do it this year. And then you blame it on the holidays, don't you? You say, I'll just wait until the holidays. Don't blame the holidays. You were already fat in August, didn't you? I've been studying God's Word. And that's the first thing we need to start doing in the first place. Get back into God's Word. You need to get back into God's Word. God's Word has to become something important to you. It has to be important to your family. It has to be important for you and your children. Because let me tell you a little spiritual truth. If it's not important to you, it will not be important to your family. Did you know that, man? Did you know that, husband? Did you know that spiritual leader of your household? If it's not important to you, it won't be important to them. Here's another secret. If church isn't important to you, it won't be important to your family. Can I get an amen here? The first church I ever pastored was in Ico, Texas, called Olin. That's an old community, Olin. In between Hudson and Hamilton, they had a hiker address. And I remember I was asked to come out and visit a lady who was not a member of our church. And you know what? As pastors, those are always the most enjoyable jobs. Can you go visit this lady? She has a wayward, troubled teenager. And I thought to myself, Lord, help me. So I drove from Brownwood to Highway to visit this lady. I got there and she was unloaded in a horror story on me of what her teenage daughter was doing. Of course, that teenage daughter came in, shook hands with me. Hello, preacher. Hello, reverend. I'm leaving now. Don't really want anything to do with you, your church, or your God. Goodbye. I mean, that was a So I looked over at the mom and said, Go to church? She said, no. I said, well, if you don't go, why do you expect her to go? She said, you can't come here and preach to me. Get out. I'm not kidding. I said, well, now we know why. They don't go. If you don't go, 
God will never just trust you. Remember making this big and keep your dreams in it. Remember making them keep their feet. Remember making them keep your best for them. Because you need to be good for them. And you got to just take time from the things in the Bible you don't. And let me tell you something. Bottom line, that's the problem with modern day church. It's because we have pictures and films and pictures from the Bible. And we throw away pictures we don't like. And we stay away from preaching them. We don't teach them because we don't understand them. And what's happening is, as we're raising up a generation of Christians that are malnutritious and their immune system is dying. And that's why we're infected with the world and sick of sin and dying in ungodliness. And we have adultery in the pulpit. And we have abortion. And we have divorce because we've taken God's Word and thrown it away and said, I want only that which takes good. Look with me in Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. Talking about meditation, about thinking on God's Word. Blessed is the man, the Bible says, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners. Listen to me now. The Bible just told you, you're blessed when you don't listen to people who are sinners. You're blessed when you don't let non-Christians speak in your life. You want God's blessing today? Get rid of those that aren't Christians giving you advice. Dr. Phil has no business telling you how to live your marriage. That person that's on her 87th divorce has no business telling you how to live out your marriage. You need to go back to this right here. This is truth. Thy word is truth. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. You need to think on God's word. Say, Pastor, I got a problem with sin. I want to tell you a spiritual piece of sin. This book right here will teach you to sin. And sin will keep you from the now, I don't want to read it. When they ask you a question, what do you do with it? Makes you not want to read it. You better believe it. Somebody say, Pastor, how do you know? God's with you. That's all. Meditating is learning. Meditating is learning to apply God's word to you. This is my own definition. And you're welcome to write it down. You're welcome to copy it. You're welcome to quote it. You can even say you quoted it if you want to. But meditating is learning to apply God's word to your life. You are going to find that when we take God's Word out of the Bible and apply it to our lives, we will hear God. Because you are going to speak to you like wisely, and you've got to start applying God's Word to your life. We will hear God speak when we meditate on it, when we apply it to our lives. We will see God's work, and we will feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. God is the way of honor and His Word. Amen. The modern church quit meditating on God's Word. Some of you might say a little bit before that happens, y'all, but you know what? I'm going to leave it around the 1960s. Go to the five before. Around the 1960s, we refused to confront the free love movement. You know why? Because we believe Dr. Spock did win. That's right. Somewhere around the 1960s, we decided that the Bible was no longer wisdom. But that modern thought was. Somewhere around the 1960s, we refused to confront free love movement. I know it looks cool with bell bottoms and tie dye tops, but we refused to confront it, and we're supposed to confront it. We refused to confront the drug movement. Instead, 
we embraced it. Instead, we, we made excuses for it. And we enabled it. And we made out lies for it. Well, he can't help himself. Abortion, the same way. Homosexuality, the same way. And we're supposed to, by the Bible, confront sin. We're supposed to confront immorality. We're supposed to be salt, and we're supposed to be light. We're supposed to be sand, and we're supposed to be stars. Do you remember those sermons? Do you remember that teaching? We're supposed to be salt. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And I know you know what salt does. It's a preservative. It keeps meat from rotting. You, Christians, are keeping a decaying, dying world from falling apart. Somebody say amen. You're supposed to do that. When salt gets in a cut, how do you feel? You ever been at McDonald's or Whataburger and got a little bit of salt on your finger? And then you pick up that salt in your fish fry and you regret it again. You're supposed to make the world feel that. You're salty. You're also light. You're supposed to expose what's in the darkness. You're sand. Remember what Father God said to Father Abraham? I will make your descendants like the sand of the earth. You're supposed to be everywhere. And not just that, but you ever got a piece of sand in your potato salad that's deep? Bible-believing, Bible-testing, Bible-reading, meditating on God's Word. 
deeper and nothing else matters. God spoke to a man down. And then he speaks down to his heart. If you get deep in your heart, God speaks to you. He speaks to his word. If you will meditate, read, and study on God's word, God will speak to you. And I want you to look at the example of the wise man. When God spoke, they listened. When God spoke, they listened. Then God spoke to the man down. He said, Don't hold back to King Herod. They had no reason to not believe Herod. None whatsoever, but God spoke to them and said, You don't believe Herod now, and we'll leave him. Why is it that we have a harder time believing God than we do Bobby Tom? Why is it that we have a harder time believing God than anything else? We like to think of this book as mythology. We don't even, a lot of people don't even think it's historically correct. I want you to know that statistically, this book has never been wrong on any archaeological time that it's come up. It's exactly what it's going to be. It's always the Those wise men, and we call them wise men for a reason, when God spoke, they listened. When God speaks to you, you can listen. The Holy Spirit speaks to you, and if you just want to, if you need to come out of our room, when he says you need to get saved, you need to get saved. If he says you need to be baptized, you need to be baptized. If he says you need to join the church, you need to join the church. Those wise men listen. Those wise men obey. That is our first example of what after Christmas. Let's look to see what else happened in the Magi's life. Remember what happened when they decided not to go back to King Herod? The Bible says King Herod got angry, didn't he? Not only did he get angry, he got so mad, he said, kill all those children. What kind of monster could be? He asked his question. Do you embrace the abortion movement for that? That's what you were King Herod's question. How did King Herod respond? He said, kill all the male children from two years old and under. Get every single one of them. And the Bible says, Rachel wept. It would not be silent. Oh, church. Matthew 2 16 tells us Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Kill the children, he said. Kill them all. Remember, Herod lied the mad guy at the beginning. He told them, Go and find the babe, and when you find him, come back to me and tell me where he is, so that I see his work for sin. Let's take a look at Herod's latest thing. The wise men became wise because they studied God's word, they meditated on God's word, and they listened to what God said. And I want to bring out some characteristics from God's word about King Herod. Are you ready? Look with me in John 8 44. We call this discernment. Those of you that lack in discernment, I'm telling you, pick up God's Word, start reading it, and you'll find the sermon. It's a little bit easier. Go like this. Look at me in John 8, 44. You are of your father the devil, Jesus said. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of God. King Herod lied to the Magi because he was following his master. And his master was none other than the devil himself. And the wise men 
though at the beginning were fools, later on heard God's voice and were able to discern that God was telling the truth and not the devil. How? Why did they know the difference? Because they studied God's word. They meditated on God's word. And they listened to what God said. And I want you to know that King Herod did exactly what Jesus said the devil does. He lies and he kills. That's why King Herod is the devil. He's the ruler of this world. He was the ruler of their world at that time, wasn't he? Luke 4, verses 5 and 7, the Bible tells us in the devil, this is Jesus' temptation. The devil taking him up on a high mountain. I want to show you that the, the devil is actually the ruler of this world until Jesus returns. The devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you. Every one of those kingdoms from the beginning of time Whatever I will give you all that authority, so this is going to be given to me. I give it to whoever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. That's right. That's right. Jesus is the reason. Now, we know that Jesus is going to on the cross, and we know that he was resurrected, and he died to death, and he took the sin and death and hell from the devil, and that Jesus has. Now the victory, but, but, but King Herod, he had that authority. He had that authority. What did the devil do? And this was a surprise to King Herod. What did King Herod do? He lied and he murdered. Let's take a look at what the devil does. And the Bible tells us the devil's characteristics. Look at me in John 10 10. The thief does not come to, uh, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's the characteristics of the devil. I've come to steal, kill, and to destroy. Now, we get Jesus to take this as well. I've come to them to have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. But we're focusing in this morning on the, the thief, on the devil. He's come to steal, he's come to kill, and he's destroyed. Please remember, the devil started out, Herod started out by lying, and the next thing he did was start killing, and the first thing he did was start destroying. Please understand, the devil's desire is to kill every piece of joy you have in your heart. What do you do after Christmas? You need to get back in God's Word. You need to get back to meditating on it. You need to get back to listening to what God is saying. Because I'm telling you, He's got plenty to say right now. And it doesn't have to come through a dream or a YouTube prophet. It needs to come through your relationship with Jesus Christ in your Bible. God has lots to say about what's going on right now. And if you will not be deterred from what, the, uh, from what the Bible says, then you're going to realize that the devil has these three characteristics and he's out to get you with you. He wants to kill your joy. He wants to kill your witness. He wants to kill everything around you. You might be saying, Pastor, is he trying to kill me as well? He would love to do that. But you and I both know he can't do that at the moment. He can't do that. But he can kill your witness, can he? Not only can he kill your witness, he can kill your joy, can he? Could you imagine what it was like that first Christmas season when those mothers had their children murdered in front of their own eyes? I don't think any joy ever came back to them, do you? Oh, you know, time is the great healer. Tell that to those moms. Two, three, four, five, ten years later. Think about that. Herod had their children murdered. Killed. Let me kill your relationship. Let me kill your 
me kill your church attendance. Let me kill your Sunday school relationship. Let me kill everything about you. And he will if he can. He will take you. He will separate you. And then he will destroy you. That's what he does. He kills. He steals. And he destroys. He kills our relationship. He steals our joy. And he destroys.
and I'm afraid to go back to Judea so it wouldn't have been down on me. It is called the prophet says it's going to be called a Nazarene. And I'm a Bible scholar, yeah. And I read and study my Bible and that sort of thing. It is called the Bible. And some people in the world can find it and say, I'm not finding any of that. What did you say? It's going to be called a Nazarene. You're going to be saying, how come you don't trust me? Yeah, I wonder why. That's 
say things like stuff in the army and the soldiers come on up to the left. He said, my wife has learned to mow the grass, to change the oil, to pick up sex, to pay the bills. And I get home and say, I'm going to do it. She says, no, I got my own routine, my own way of doing things.
Thank you. 